Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the all-new KDOS 1060 app. Apple and Android users download today and take advantage of the listener rewards available to you. It is Wednesday. It is March 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll keep reminding you as well there's a time change upcoming on Sunday. It's not just Selection Sunday. There's a time change involved as well. And starting Monday, the Dan Patrick Show, 6 to 9 a.m. to keep him live. Then locally, Bob Kemp in the Sports Zone from 9 to 10. And this here program, the Extra Point from 10 to noon. So we'll keep reminding you that as we approach Monday here next week. As we typically do, we set the scene with today's poll questions. And we have some heavy basketball and Pac-12 related topics. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who wins the Pac-12 tournament? And there's been nothing, Bob, that has... (laughs) Swayed anyone's decision from the previous hour because UCLA remains out in front with 100% of the vote. The options, of course, Arizona, UCLA, USC, and other. Okay. Well, Jalen Clark is officially out of the Pac-12 tournament and possibly beyond. And he's their second leading scorer and he's their second leading rebounder. And he won the Conference Defensive Player of the Year award yesterday. And he has a chance to win the National Defensive Player of the Year Award. So this isn't some chump uh, that plays a few minutes. This is a big deal. And uh, he's out, at least for the conference tournament. Uh, So there's that. And then if you look at the USC side of things, yeah, there's a chance that they could be without two of their top five players, at least uh, for the next uh, foreseeable future. Uh, Drew Peterson's had back spasms. He's still apparently experiencing back spasms. And I made a mistake and didn't write down this gentleman's name, but the backup center who had the heart condition last July, basically, you know, they, he was, you know, they had to CPR him to keep him alive. And he started the season slowly, and they were monitoring his minutes. Well, then he also now has back problems. He didn't play over the weekend in the, against the, uh, against the, 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 the Arizona schools. So both those guys are seemingly highly questionable to play at least in the first game for USC this week. Is it possibly because his last name is really hard to say and his first name is Vince? That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. And I just didn't write it down either. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Vince, yeah, my, my man Vince, who's really good when he's able to play, but you know, it's a miracle that he's playing anyway to begin with. And God bless. Uh, all the people that help revive him, and uh, yeah, he, he's he's a very good player. He has tremendous ball skills for a big guy. I mean, I'm not ex- exaggerating at all here. Tremendous ball skills, ball skills for a big dude. 
We'll get into much more uh, involving this question as we enter it around 1230 and, of course, more involving the Pac-12 and college hoops in today's program. Let's shift things on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Who do you have ATS on Wednesday in Las Vegas? Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook. ASU minus 9.5, Oregon State plus 9.5, and Oregon State has now gone to the lead at 66.7% of the vote, ASU trailing at 33.3%. And also, this number is much higher now than it was when we posted this question. Uh, there's some 11 and a halfs and 12s out there. And just for people, if you're betting for the first time in a conference tournament, uh, it's not just the conference tournament odds before tournaments start that are different from book to book, but it's crazy sometimes even the game-to-game you know, sports books that have different numbers and you know, shop around if you're looking for, you know, for the best numbers. You got a chance to... You know, this is a middle, if you have middle games in Las Vegas and guys do that and try to middle games, this is like their favorite week of the year because there's some wild differences in point spreads in games, let alone conference tournament odds before the conference tournaments actually start. Eric Edholm is set to join us around 11.15. We'll get his impressions from the NFL Combine, the franchise tag deadline that took place yesterday in the NFL, potential quarterbacks on the move, quarterbacks that are already on the move. So we'll dive into all of that with Eric Edholm from NFL Media on the other side of the break. But as another reminder here for you, and probably a surprise to many, NAU (laughs) men's basketball is playing for the Big Sky Championship tonight. Here's the road that NAU has taken to get here. The Lumberjacks beat the University of Idaho Saturday 87-76. to Then they hit a buzzer beater three to beat the number one seed Eastern Washington 81-80 to on Sunday. And they played last night topping Montana 83-71. to Now they're set to face Montana State tonight. Little known fact here, Montana State needed double overtime last night to win, so they'll face off against the Lumberjacks tonight. Coverage right here on KDUS AM 1060 with Mitch Stroman on the call at 9 p.m. And you can only imagine Mitch Stroman on the call for that buzzer beater. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, and uh, he posted his reaction to that buzzer beater three back on Sunday. But if NAU wins, they will be dancing their way into the NCAA tournament i'm sure that nau fans everywhere in the nau community and coaching staff and mitch and everybody play like 12 overtimes you know two 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 aren't enough no not at all two no and it was the late game as well so there's a whole lot going into this here Uh, exactly so we'll see how things unfold tonight but coverage here on kdus am 1060 starting at nine o'clock Franchise tag day for the NFL came and went, and only six teams exercised the tag on players. You had the Commanders using it on defensive lineman Darren Payne, the Cowboys using it on running back Tony Pollard, the Raiders using it on running back Josh Jacobs, Jaguars using it on tight end Evan Ingram, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, and Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Obviously the biggest name there being Lamar Jackson. But first, are you surprised? Three of the six teams and three of the six players have been running backs that received the franchise tag. Not really, because it's only ten million, right, for one year. So that you know, it's a, you know, the, kind of the cheapest of the so-called skill players <laughs> as far as the franchise tags go. So maybe I don't think so. 
All right, fair enough. So as I mentioned, the biggest name is Lamar Jackson, and uh, it's the non-exclusive tag. Actually, in fact, I thought I had read that all six of these players received the non-exclusive tag. So that means that all of these players could actually, in fact, negotiate with other teams, see what other offers are out there. The team that tagged them does have the right to match that. If they choose not to, then the team would receive uh, you know, two first-round picks in the case of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. This is interesting, though, and I guess we have to take it with a caveat that we're sitting here on just March 8th, and there's plenty of time for many other things to take shape. According to Field Yates, these teams have already said they will not pursue Lamar Jackson. This is is amazing. (laughs) And they're teams that need quarterbacks. Uh, The Falcons, the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Commanders, and the Raiders. Yeah, it's like a race to pu- public publicly say you're not interested in the guy. And this just kind of goes back to what we talked about on Monday is that I think that it's safe to say, who knows, you only need one guy to give you an outrageous offer or give you a lot of money. You know, that's, the, you know, that's Deshaun Watson. Uh, and the Browns certainly did that. But it just you know, it seems like that he has overpriced himself uh, significantly. He's turned down more money almost for sure that he's actually going to get, and a lot more money. I know that there's also another side to this as well. I guess the conspiracy theory side that there's, you know, some collusion going on with the NFL and the owners, because why would these teams that do need quarterbacks already come out and say we're not interested in regards to as well? We know the type of contract that Lamar wants to command. We know how just from a business standpoint, upset people have been in regards to Deshaun Watson getting guaranteed money to the astronomical amount that he received. So it's all kind of interesting to see how this is going to unfold. But again, it's only March 8th. Uh, Franchise players can officially start signing March 15th, uh, the new league year, and then they have quite some time to also try to finalize something. Uh, In addition to that, you then have... Things potentially could start brewing right before the draft or on draft yeah. day. Yeah, I, I, you go back to my friend Matt Mulebach, who the uh, attorney by day, as I believe he called himself the other day, is that, and which he is an attorney by day. But the argument, or the, you know, the argument I guess you can make, you know, against Lamar Jackson here is I think a lot of the teams in the NFL are just kind of wondering how screwed up is this guy? I mean, he doesn't have an agent. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, I think it's safe to say that you know, I could be totally wrong about this, but I think he's turned down a whole lot more money than he's going to get eventually, at least for you know, the foreseeable future. Uh, and I think there's, I, I, I personally, I would want no part of this guy at this point. I think there's lots of questions about his character uh, and uh, you know, the fact that he didn't show up for that last playoff game. Uh, you know, he wasn't going to play, but you know, he showed up for the next to last game and the reg- he showed up for the next to last game of the Ravens season, the regular season final finale against Cincinnati. Didn't show up for the playoff game. I mean, I, do I want this guy in my organization? I think that's a question that a lot of teams have to be asking. I'll take another stance on it. Uh, there's some injury history here now. Absolutely. In addition to that, uh, from a talent evaluator standpoint, how do you think the 
throwing element of his game is coming along? Is it improving? Yeah. So I think those are some questions as well that people are facing. And we can get Eric Edholm's perspective on this and much more surrounding the NFL as we take a break. And we'll be joined by Eric Edholm next. It is the Extra Point. Easy Sports Talk with former NFL and MLB player Ed Smith and co-host Javon Adams airs Saturday mornings 10 to noon on KDUS AM 1060. Coming back to you here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And we pop on out to the KDOS hotline now to extend our NFL conversation. We're joined by Eric Edholm with NFL Media. Eric, Bob, and Kayla, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We're doing fantastic and no major complaints. Plenty to get into, though, with you uh, around the NFL with franchise tag deadline yesterday, quarterbacks on the move. But we have to take advantage of your skill set and following the college ranked players as well. So let's start with the NFL combine. And of course, that quarterback position is always much discussed. It looks like Bryce Young measured in 5'10", 204 pounds. C.J. Stroud had precision, accuracy in his throwing portion of the combine. Will Levis's arm was, of course, much talked about. So from your standpoint, who and what stood out to you uh, from the quarterbacks at the combine? Yeah, the big talk of the week was, was Anthony Richardson out of Florida. And, and you know, I, I put him back in August, I'd put him on my list of, of the top prospects to watch just because, you know, even with 66 attempts prior to last season, I mean, this was a, a physical specimen who was impossible to ignore. And you could see in his brief time uh, in the 2021 season how gifted he could be. And he, de- he definitely backed it up at times last year, although inconsistently. It wasn't, you know, a, a refined passing performance during the year. Um, you know, his running ability speaks for itself. I think he had six runs of, you know, 50 yards or longer or whatever. It was crazy. Uh, he's, he's able to stress defenses immediately. So he's, in my mind, uh, you know, he has plug-and-play ability as a runner. And if you can kind of walk him through some of the you know passing concept stuff, because I think what they ran at Florida will be different than what he does in the NFL. But he was definitely the buzz guy down there with Young not throwing, with, you know, C.J. Stroud looking, uh, lacking that, that – for strong arm and, and rare athleticism. I just think he's a darn good quarterback. But uh, Levis a little inconsistent early throwing the ball, didn't didn't run, so we don't really have the full athletic profile on him. But Richardson certainly generated a lot of buzz. I don't know that he's going to go vastly higher than he did entering the combine, but it but it it may you know coax the team into to moving up a little higher than they normally would have otherwise. Who were some players, just you know, no matter what the position, who you were pleasantly surprised at the combine, and maybe a couple of players that disappointed you or did less than you thought they might do? Yeah, that's a good question. There were there were a lot that probably fit that 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 description. I mean, Jack Campbell, the linebacker at Iowa, didn't know he was quite as athletic as he was. A couple of the tight ends even tested better than I expected as well. And it's a it's a great year to need a tight end. It's a strong class in that group and. Um, you know, watching guys like Bijan Robinson and, and Jameer Gibbs in the running back drills and their testing numbers certainly were, were sufficient, more than sufficient in some cases. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate about Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia, you know, running a, a 4-3-9 official time, which is exceptional. You just don't see 
240-pound uh, people run that fast very often. But, you know, there's still a debate about him as a player. He's coming off the peck injury, missed half the season last year, would be undersized as a rusher. There aren't that many guys. Uh, you know, Hassan Reddick, obviously you guys are familiar with over the years. That's, you know, his best hope is to be that kind of a player. Um, and he's got to be cast right, of course. You know, Reddick was a little bit misused early in his career until they figured out, yeah, he's best on the edge, attacking the quarterback, pinning his ears back as he did in college. So I think that's going to be true for Smith, too. But, you know, not every single player in that mold makes it work or guys like Vic Beasley have one great season and then kind of fall off. So he's another one that, you know, I'm, I'm curious to find out if he'll match his athletic testing with his play in the NFL. Having a conversation here with Eric Edholm, NFL Media on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. From a defensive side of the ball, you had Nolan Smith running a 4-3-9. You still have Will Anderson. Then you had the off-the-field issues for Jalen Carter uh, come to light. How do you assess this pass-rushing group and Will Carter's involvement in the reckless driving and racing drop him in the draft? I think it's a pretty good defensive draft. I mean, you know, I think that the three names at the top, or at least the ones that I would put at the top, and we'll put Carter's issues to the side for a minute, but it would be uh, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and Tyree Wilson in some order. You know, I mean, different teams will have different opinions on that. Uh, Carter, more of a three-technique interior presence. Anderson, more of a kind of a true stand-up rusher. He can also get down in a three-point stance. Uh, Tyree Wilson's sort of a, a hybrid of the two, if you will. He can reduce down inside and passing downs. He can also stand up and rush. He can. Uh, he's more of a 275-pound rusher, long-limbed guy. Uh, Will Anderson's a little bit more average size in that regard, but his play strength and tenacity are fine. I think all three guys could end up being really good. You know, Carter's like, – there was some character digging on him to begin with prior to – to his involvement in the, uh, the car accident, the fatal accident, uh, killing two people, part of the Georgia program there. Um, you know, we're, we're still trying to kind of gather the details of, of how much involvement he had. We know he's already misled police, if not once, uh, then possibly twice, which raised some red flags, you know, accountability and uh, obviously any kind of legal trouble that stems from that. We know he's, he's going to have a court date here, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I think a lot of teams will end up being comfortable with what they hear. Disappointed, but but comfortable enough to feel like their pre-draft, you know, or their, their pre-sort um, of character stuff scouting report uh, is going to be the, you know, the, the tipping point. I think that's ultimately the thing because he could be a Quinnen Williams type of player. You know, he's become a really good interior presence for the Jets and, you know, he was taken at number three in the draft when he came out in 2018. So, you know, I, I suspect Carter is going to go somewhere in that same range, top five, top six picks, unless more comes out as the, the digging continues uh, on him as a person. You mentioned Bijan Robinson. He's an Arizona kid. He's a running yeah. back. So how early might he be selected? Well, yeah, I get that, that, that positionally running back is farther down the chain. Um, you know, I think the, the run game is cycling back into the NFL. It looks a little different than it used to. It's no longer the, the bell cow back carrying the ball 300 plus times as often, but you still do have Derrick Henry's out there. You still have, you have Josh Jacobs out there. You have teams that are, you know, willing and, and, and ready to commit to the run game. 
Maybe they've got an athletic quarterback. Maybe they have a young passer that they want to kind of help. Or maybe their team is just built that way. Plus, as defenses go smaller, more nickel and dime, you know, offenses are going to counter with, with bigger bodies and, and more run games. So, you know, it, I don't know that he's ever going to have a Ladanian Tomlinson-like career, but he can be that type of a player. I think his, his pass-catching ability is a little bit undersold. Great on screens and wheel routes and different stuff. They sent him on a couple posts this year, too. Um, and he certainly can do work both between the tackles and outside the tackle. Unusual jump cut ability, great creativity. He's, he's the total package as far as I'm concerned. And, yeah, I mean, you guys saw what was the player of the year two years in Arizona as a high school player and uh, yeah. just a phenomenal talent who I, I think if used right can be even better than what we've seen from Saquon Barkley to this point in his career. Did anyone or anything that take place at the NFL Combine kind of change your mind or perception that you had heading into the draft, or I'm sorry, into the Combine, and now that we're sitting here a couple of days removed, uh, you have a different opinion? Yeah, a little bit. I think it's a little more talented a group that I realized. I, I, I kind of went into the draft, or into the Combine, I should say, thinking, you know, overall, this is kind of a C-plus draft. You know, average, maybe a little above average, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, wasn't as enamored uh, as some other people were. But once I kind of was able to get a 30,000-foot view, I guess, of the class and get more information from the combine, both athletic testing numbers and on-field work and also, you know, talking to people behind the scenes about what they learned in interviews, the medical information and all that, I think it's a little stronger than that. I don't know if this is going to be – you know, a banner class like the year we had with, you know, the quarterbacks going high a couple of years ago, Kyle Pitts and all those, uh, you know, a tremendous Jamar Chase and whatnot. I don't think this is that kind of draft, but I do think that it's a very solid draft in a lot of positions. Cornerback and edge are two needy ones, offensive tackle. You know, those are pretty high premium positions. Even quarterback has some intriguing options, I think, way more than last year. So, you know, on the whole, even with some, some, Spots that are a little thinner than others, linebacker, maybe safety, you know, interior offensive line drops off considerably after a certain point. I, I think it's, I'm starting to believe that it's a little stronger than I realized before. All right. So the combine also is like the smoke fest between, you know, agents throwing out stuff, trying to get their players in a higher position in the draft or teams trying to mislead their, you know, their, their adversaries and what they might do in the draft. So the Cardinals have been involved in all kinds of, you know, trade rumors here. You know, what do you think they might do with the third pick? And DeAndre Hopkins seems highly likely to be traded at some point. What might they get for him? Yeah, good question. I mean, uh, the first part with the number three pick, I mean, I think it's a good thing that guys like Richardson uh, generated some buzz and Stroud had as a strong a session as he did because we're starting to feel like, hey, is it possible that four quarterbacks could go in the top seven picks or nine picks or something like that? Yeah, and that's actually never happened before. Even the year we had the, the five first-rounders uh, a couple years ago, Justin Fields, the fourth quarterback, wasn't taken until number 11. So the fact that they're getting pushed up, I think, increases the value of that Cardinals pick at number three. If they want to stay and take one of those elite defenders, God bless them. I think that would be, you know, a, a smart building block move. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon understands the, the importance of a good defensive front and he'll have his pick, right? He can choose which body type and, and talent he wants. 
But there's also the opportunity to maybe slide back a couple picks and get either the same player or a very similar player. So that has to be awfully tempting to the Cardinals. As far as what Hopkins might get in a trade, I think it helps that the draft is a little thinner, at least at the top, at wide receiver. Um, Yeah, there's some free agent options out there, some interesting ones. But, you know, DeAndre has a lot of fans in the league. You know, we we even saw the – you know, the Bill Belichick clip that got a lot of traction in New England when he was sort of praising him before the game. This is Bill's done this before where he kind of does it at Pro Bowls and things like that and ends up finding a way to trade for the player. But I don't know if that's going to happen in New England. You know, I don't know uh, where he's, you know, what, what the, the story is on a percentage of whether he's going to be traded or not. But I think, like you said, it's probably high. If I had a guess, second-round pick might get it done. That's just my feeling based on his age – you know, some of the time he's missed the last couple of years, you know, never been a speed player. So, you know, obviously his craftiness and his uh, body control is really kind of what his game is. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I could see it being less than a first-round pick, but I think there will be some teams that are interested in adding, you know, arguably one of the best possession receivers of the last uh, you know, generation of football. Eric Edholm, NFL Media here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. On to some franchise tag discussion. Six teams use the tag, and uh, of course we have to ask you and start with Lamar Jackson. The Ravens use the non-exclusive tag, so Lamar will be allowed to uh, look for other opportunities elsewhere, and if the Ravens don't match that offer, they would receive two first-round picks. So First of all, what is the market really like for Lamar Jackson, and are we headed down a path where Lamar isn't a Raven? Yeah, I mean, obviously them putting the non-exclusive tag uh, on Jackson versus the exclusive, which would prevent anyone from talking to him, you know, is a gamble. It's a risk. They're letting Lamar kind of find out what his value is. And it was a little bit surprising that within an hour of, of that announcement yesterday, it seemed like, I don't know, half a dozen teams said, we're out, we're not in. Now, some of that may be a smokescreen, too, where you say, oh, you know, we're not we're not interested in Lamar, just like, you know, Stalin wasn't interested in Berlin, right? You know, I mean, he wasn't going to go after <laughs> Berlin, you know? So it happens, right? I mean, people can, can mislead with things like this. Like you said, it's kind of lying season in the NFL anyway. But um, it's not really clear what team might step up. Is there somebody kind of lying in the weeds a little bit who's, monitoring the situation and perhaps hoping to, you know, swoop in. I don't think the, 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 the draft pick cost is that much at all. You know, we, we see teams all the time trade two first-rounders to move up in the draft to get a higher pick in that draft to, to take a quarterback who's never set foot in an NFL field. So if you feel good about Lamar's health and durability, which have, you know, come into some question in the last couple of years, um, and you feel like the price tag is manageable, that's the big question, obviously, then two first-rounders should should not be prohibitive towards a deal. I mean, you can make that happen, but what's he asking for? Is it 100% guaranteed? Is it more guaranteed money total than what Deshaun Watson got? I mean, that, that deal alone has changed the face of NFL negotiations for the foreseeable future. So a lot of unknowns, you know, and he doesn't have an agent, so this is you know, he and possibly his mother and other members of the family kind of working to see what they can do. And, yeah, that door is open for him to leave Baltimore. But you may find out that his value isn't quite what he thought it was. 
Derek Carr headed to New Orleans. So the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, uh, where are we at with that? Are they kind of up against it now, the Jets? Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like the options for both the Jets and Rodgers are pretty narrow. You know, they, whether the Jets put on the full-court press or not for Carr remains to be seen. I don't think they did. It certainly feels like they had a number at which they liked them, and if it went over that number by a, by a dollar or a cent, they were ready to move on and go to possibly their plan A, which is Aaron. And um, you would assume, at least, the way they've handled this so far. Because um, quarterbacks don't enter the market very often prior to free agency. The car situation was a little bit unusual. And, you know, the Saints saw the opportunity. They took it. He's probably the best quarterback in the NFC South. You can understand why they'd make that move. I think that the Jets and Woody Johnson, specifically the owner, probably feels like, look, I've got this young, exciting team. We had one of the best draft classes in recent memory uh, of any team in the NFL. I mean, this is a banner group, right, with Soft Gardner and uh, Wilson, rookie of the year. Brees Hall could have been rookie of the year. Several other contributors. Let's put it all together with a Hall of Fame quarterback. But, you know, anyone who watched the the Brett Favre situation in New York play out knows that – not that easy. Doesn't always work. So I don't know. I mean, it certainly feels like this is the way this this arranged marriage is going to go. But will it work? I don't know. There's just a lot of a lot of unknowns in that equation, and and a lot of finger crossing might have to go as far as how it works for a, a 39 year old quarterback who likes things a certain way. Eric, before we let you go here, how surprising for the Super Bowl champion Chiefs here, releasing Frank Clark and not franchise tagging Orlando Brown? I wasn't stunned by either one. I thought Clark, you know, there was a chance they could redo his deal and keep him around. I mean, you know, he sort of gained this reputation as being a January and sometimes February hero. I mean, he saved his best work for the playoffs, and it's come in handy, you know, in in two Super Bowl titles for them. And, you know, I don't – and that one didn't really shock me. I think with Brown, the thinking was it was just going to be a little higher than they wanted to pay for what they got out of him his, this year. I think he was okay. I don't know that he was great. I think they expected to see a little bit more from him this season. And so, you know, it opens up a hole at left tackle, obviously. But I think the Chiefs feel like they're almost playing with house money to a certain degree and, and know how much Patrick can make up for the lack of, you know, an elite blocker up there. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll be curious to see what direction they head. They could bring him back, too. I mean, that's the thing. They still could resign him. But if he walks, obviously that's a pretty, uh, pretty noticeable hole up front. Absolutely. Eric, we greatly appreciate you taking some time with us, and we will certainly be doing this again uh, down the road. Looking forward to it. See ya. That's Eric Edholm there, NFL Media. Uh, So, yeah, I just was curious there about the Chiefs and just obviously uh, the production that you got from both of those particular positions and the Orlando Brown factor, uh, not able to get a deal done last offseason, having to play on the franchise tag and not able to get one done again this year. Yeah, I know that uh, the people who do the blocking guru people, the metrics people, they didn't rank him very highly. So, uh, and just the eye test, you know, there were some – Games, especially early in the season, that you know Holmes is running for his life because Brown whiffed on his guy. So you know, I don't know how well he actually played this past year. 
Your turn if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. We'll get to your phone calls. We have plenty of college hoops conversation. The Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant making his debut at home tonight. And the Players' Championship gets underway tomorrow on the PGA Tour. Another elevated event, also known as the fifth major. It's all happening here on The Extra Point. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Eleven forty-two here on KDOS AM ten sixty in the extra point. You can follow us KDOS AM ten sixty online at KDOS ten sixty dot com, as well as the all new KDOS ten sixty app. Apple and Android users download and take advantage of the listener rewards app coming to you from the SuperBook Sports. If you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060 is the number to do so. It is. Kevin Durant's home debut tonight with the Phoenix Suns as they host the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder are coming off of a victory over the Warriors last night, 137 to 128. Uh, but when it comes to Kevin Durant, he himself is Another coming. Warriors defensive clash there, huh? Uh, yes, lots of defense <laughs> taking place. What's going on there? Um, I, the Warriors and defense has not been something synonymous this year. And they're also terrible on the road. I mean, this you know it was a home game, but I mean, they're awful on the road. Yeah, Ooh, I saw that they have on the road. a worse record than some of the worst teams in the league on the road. Uh, and, and the scoring differential and how many points they allow on the road is just astronomical. So I don't know if that's the team we can trust when we were kind of trying to figure out who to trust in the NBA West. Yeah, but I don't know if there is one. The Suns might be the team to trust. Kevin Durant, he is maybe the reason why you trust him. Uh, he's coming off of a Sunday game in which he did play 40 minutes. He had previously yeah. been on a minutes restriction because of coming back from his knee injury. Uh, he joked, though, yesterday, I saw this on uh, Dwayne Rankin's Twitter feed, that he was glad that the game was close on Sunday because Monty had no choice but to leave him in the game. <laughs> so, uh, but for Monty... He's probably glad the game was over when they finally ended. <laughs> for Monty, he was also asked uh, that, you know, Kevin Durant didn't look exhausted from a cardio standpoint, and he just left him in there uh, in such a highly competitive game. I mean, I think minutes restrictions at that point go out the window. Well, and plus you possibly have a tiebreaker with Dallas, even though Dallas is not exactly ripping it up since they uh, you know, made their tr big trade. So, you know, it's been a kind of a, I think, a, I wouldn't say disaster, but it has, I can't imagine that uh, Mark Cuban is usually upset anyway. I can't imagine he's upset about the way this has not worked out so far. Yeah, it, it to not worked out so far is the best way to put it there. Uh, as for Devin Booker, he was named the Western Conference Player of the Month. Uh, so kudos to him or Western Conference Player of the Week. Uh, there is 17 games left on the regular season for the Suns. If you include tonight, they play Oklahoma City three times. They play the Kings twice. 
They play the Warriors once. They play the Lakers twice. They play the Nuggets twice. The Clippers, the last game of the season. We'll see if that has any meaning for either of those two teams. And then over in the East, they do play the Bucks and the 76ers once apiece. Uh, so when it comes, though, to where things are currently standing, though, uh, where the Nuggets remain out in front at 46 and 19, but the Kings now are sitting in second at 38 and 26. The Grizzlies, with all of their uh, you know injuries and the John ja Morant situation, are now third at 38 and 26, and the Suns sitting there in fourth at 36 and 29. Yeah, and this is going to be kind of changing. I'm guessing on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, I'm not positive. Um, but, you know, the NFL has really changed the way that it schedules games at the end of the season. And uh, I'm not sure if there is, uh, you know, the way that the the, the, balance, the the schedule is where you're going to have more Western Conference games anyway, uh, no matter what time of the season. But I'm wondering uh, if you re- when you read off that Sun schedule, I'm not I'm not familiar with the other team's schedules and whether it's somewhat similar for everybody in the West. Yeah, uh, I imagine that it is some, some pretty similar on that front uh, to, ma- I guess, quote unquote, make it more impactful coming down the stretch. The Warriors, though, as we did allude to them earlier, struggling on the defensive side of the ball, struggling away from being at home. They also have lost now two in a row in Steph's return. They were on that surge without him. Now the lost two in a row with him coming back. He did have 40 last night, but as we mentioned, defense optional in that game. And the Lakers oh, oh. mean. Also last night, there was a Jordan Poole, Draymond Green blow up. Another stunning development there. Yes. Who would have guessed? And then you also have the Lakers here. We thought we were kind of done with them. They've now won two in a row behind Anthony Davis's uh, heroic Um, efforts. Great. I hope they win every game from now to the end of the season so we can bet against them and get a good number in the playoffs to go against them. Rounding things out, the Mavericks are sitting in fifth at 34 and 32. I mean, everything is just so bunched. This hasn't changed, and it's not going to change. Sixth is the Warriors, 34 and 32. The Timberwolves. Now, this is a team that I feel like we all just kind of forgot about. Uh, They're sitting at 34 and 33. I thought they gave up way too much to get Rudy Gobert. Wasn't sure that this was even going to work. Well, they're sitting in seventh here in this bizarre west the eighth is the clippers at 34 and 33 and then the lakers ninth at 32 and 34 and the pelicans at 31 and 34 i did see brian windhorse say that uh, zion williamson is not expected to return anytime soon stunning development there unfortunately uh yeah it's very predictable uh the dude's just never gonna make it i don't think ever uh through an nba season i mean he actually has lost some weight compared to when he was at duke but his body is just not conducive for a long NBA 82-game regular season. It's just not going to happen. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I would be really surprised if that ever happens. Of those last teams you mentioned, the only team that I think has an you know, really a chance to get it together would be the Clippers. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. The The pedigree is there uh, for some of the players on that team to get it together, plus Ty Lue is the coach. Yeah, and they've got like eight or nine guys. Uh, you know, they almost never play simultaneously, but they've got like eight or nine guys. If they ever do play simultaneously, like in a playoff series, they could be really, really troublesome to beat. <laughs> they, 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 they match up well against uh, pretty much everybody if everybody they have is playing. 
I will say this about the Pelicans. Uh, I don't think I was unsurprised that Zion is unable to stay healthy. It's unfortunate because he certainly has a ton of skills. I think it's more surprising that the rest of the team is just kind of falling apart around him without him being in there. I don't know how many games these other guys have played, too, though. You know, Ingram missed a ton of yep. games. Um, and, and a couple other guys seem to be in and out all the time, You know, whether it be Jones or whoever. And those are key defensive players for them. Uh, you also have the Suns, as we mentioned, and the Thunder. Tonight, it's a 7 p.m. tip-off on Bally Sports Arizona. More Extra Point is coming up on the other side of the break. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up hour number one of Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com and with the all-new KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We have to take a look at the PGA Tour, which is playing the Players' Championship this week. You know you know the hole, the famous 17th I hole. I even know the hole. Yeah. I even know it. Yeah, there so we, we, go. we got to monitor and see if they put up numbers uh, for the start of the week, how many balls are going to go in the water <laughs> on 17. That you needs know. to be a line. You're right. That should be a prop bet. I know that they have on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, uh, yes or no, whether or not there's going to be a hole in one on 17. Okay, great. I want to know how many balls are in the water. Come on, you can do better than that. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Let's get the carnage going. Uh, That's right. (laughs) But anyway, it is the TPC Sawgrass Golf Course that we're referencing. It's a Pete Dye design. It's playing 7,256 yards. It's a par 72, known as the fifth major uh, on the PGA Tour. The prize... Uh, potential earnings, $25 million, not for first place. That's the total total purse. Uh, but it is the most expensive payout in the PGA Tour history here. Rory McIlroy comes in as the odds-on favorite at plus 950 on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. He won this event back in 2019. He has four missed cuts and five top 15s. Uh, the putter... For Rory, he's kind of gone a little silent with the flat stick here the last three weeks. The ball striking continues to be very solid for him. Scotty Scheffler at 10 to 1. Is anyone more consistent than Scotty these days? All of his metrics just stay the exact same week in, week out. Uh, mark of consistency. So if you, you think Scotty's the guy, you, you can't get much of an argument there. John Rahm. He is 11 to 1, two top 15s. He also has a T for T55 and a T63 on the resume for him. He has got to clean up the driver. He lost 6.23 strokes off the tee last week. Not good. Things that you need to pay attention to for the Players' Championship, I'd say strokes gained off of the tee, strokes gained on approach, par 5 scoring, as well as putting on Bermuda grass. The thing about this event here, sometimes looking at course history will make you go bonkers because someone has four missed cuts and then they have 10 top 10s because there's just so much volatility, whether it's the course itself, whether it's the weather conditions, whether it's the wind, what side of the draw you're on. So volatility, I guess you're just going to have to embrace it this week. Uh, When it comes to kind of some of the things that we're looking at and players were going to go in a direction, 
nervous about this one because I went Patrick Cantlay at 24 to 1, and now he's all the way down to 16 to 1 because he's just been bet like crazy. So everyone apparently has the same thoughts I do. Uh, he ranks fifth in par five scoring for those that are in the field. He's gained 4.59 and 5.62 strokes off the tee the last two tournaments. So he's trending in a really good direction despite his poor course history. Jason Day, 43 to 1. He has uh, gained 3.58, 3.24, 2.64, and 0.95 strokes off the tee. He is uh, certainly playing much better golf after he's suffered tremendous amounts of injuries and setbacks in his career. Keegan Bradley, he's maybe playing some of the best golf of his career. Once again, a bit of a resurgence for him. Top 30 plus 130. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Tommy Fleetwood, top 30 plus 200. He's seventh in par five scoring. Uh, He has to be better putting. So we'll see how that all unfolds. And our long shots here, Ryan Fox. Who's Ryan Fox, you ask? Well, he plays a lot on the DP World Tour, so we'll see how this translates over to America. But he is a top 40 candidate at plus 200. He did finish T14 at the Arnold Palmer and around the world. This is how 2023 is going for him. A tie for 17th, a tie for 11th, and a tie for 20th. He leads the field in par 5 scoring. So we'll see how that translates this week. And Ben Griffin, a top 40 at plus 240. He's gaining 3.29 and 2.10 strokes off the tee in his last two tournaments. So we'll see how all of this unfolds. But, Bob, we're bracing the volatility. That's what we're doing this week. And we're looking for lines. And maybe if they don't set them themselves, we'll set our own lines for how many golf balls are in the water on 17. You can take action on that from people. Get a hold of people you know will bet on that and just take their action. Today's the day where the caddies get to attempt the shots on 17 to see how well they get to do uh and so there's usually a lot of funny videos that make their way on social media after that's all said and done uh for today but we have much more in the extra point hour two is next